So I think we're on, aren't we? We're on? Great. Great. Always beware when the preacher takes their jacket off. Yeah. There's always, there's always something going to happen. Hey, Anna. You never take your jacket off? Well, there you go. There you go. There you go. Good morning, church. What a great bunch of people you are. Has anyone ever told you that this morning? No? Turn to someone and say what he said. Paul, well, where are you? Paul, you did communion this morning. Where are you? Great job, mate. Well done. Really, really good. Really good. And I love the way that God is raising up um, other voices in the life of our church. Have you noticed this happening? It's fantastic. And we had a couple of ladies over here dancing with flags this morning. Where are you? Put your hand up, please. Robin and some other lady over there. Thank you for that. It's actually very biblical. Uh, it's very biblical. If you're here today... And, um, and maybe, I don't know what your theology is about um, dance or anything like that, but um, it's actually biblical, dancing before the Lord. It's actually a biblical thing. Um, but it's not done for show. It actually is, it's actually done with a sense of breaking through in the spirit realm. That, that, that's the, that's, um, the flags in one sense are a metaphor. So you always ask, what's a metaphor? <laughs> it's a metaphor for breaking through into the spirit. It's like a sword. And I really appreciate you girls this morning. There was a sensitivity about that. There was a, it just flowed with Amy's worship leading, which also, where are you, Amy? Just wonderful, you know. So God's doing some stuff here, folks. And I'm just loving, just loving being your interim pastor at the moment. It's just, honestly, it's, uh, this church is a breeze. It really is. <laughs> what does that say about the other ones I pastored? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so we passed it. Oh, it's live. Just edit that part out. Yeah. <laughs> Turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're looking at verses 15 to 23. And just regarding your children, and we do apologize that there is no um, uh, uh, supervised program this morning, and your children are very welcome to stay in. That's, that's absolutely true, as Robert said. But if they do get a little bit restless and it becomes a distraction, then you, you can, you're welcome to take them out into the uh, cafe area there, and we will catch up with you um, afterwards and have a coffee with you then. Okay, um, we're looking at Matthew chapter 7 verses 15 through to 23, and this message, and I'll come to it very soon, but here's the message, warning against false prophets and false disciples. Oh no, oh, no. oh yes. But before we explore today's text, um, I want to just recall um, uh, a few weeks ago, we began a preaching series on uh, the presence, uh, the person of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you all know in here, because you're really intelligent people, that the Holy Spirit is a person, a real person. He has personality. He can be grieved. If he was, if he was just a thing you wouldn't be able to grieve it. But he is a living being, and he can be grieved. And we can kind of 
um, do things that, that, that the Spirit of God would disagree with, and we know in our spirit that that is not right, and that's a grieving that goes on. And sometimes God will just stand back from you and let you do your thing. Good luck. But all the, all the time, the Spirit of God is still drawing us back to himself. Always. Always. That is the beauty. We did a series just recently called Gazing Upon the Beauty of Christ. And that in itself is one of the beauties of who he is. So you all know about the, about the presence of God. In Acts 5.12, and I just want to recap before we get into the message um, tells us that when the church was birthed because of the Holy Spirit, from that point on, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And as a result of the phenomena of the Holy Spirit, there is one identifying feature about the newly established church that no one could dispute, Amy. No one could dispute it. It was vibrant. This is the early church I'm talking about. It was full of life. The presence and power of the Holy Spirit was central in their gatherings and all that they did. The gifts of the Spirit were operating. And by the way, church, the operation of the gifts of the Spirit was normal. Absolutely normal. And multitudes, as a result of that, we're coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Wow, everyone should be going, wow, that's awesome. Clearly it's not. <laughs> Why was it so vibrant? Why was it full of dynamic, animated activity? And the answer is very, very simple. Because the Holy Spirit had arrived. Now for context, it's important to understand that in those days and today it is no different there were various established religious belief systems that were operating at the time. There were the Pharisees, of course, and there was the Sadducees, the Zealots, the Essenes. And then you had the Greeks and the Roman polytheism with their worship of many gods and goddesses. And all of those were options for people to opt into or opt out of. But one phenomena that people experienced that set the newly established church apart was the presence of the Holy Spirit. That could not be um, fudged whatsoever. It could not be copied. That was the one thing that set the newly established church apart. And so impacting was the Holy Spirit that the people changed. Isn't that awesome, Christine? I changed. You changed when Jesus came to live in you. Hey, Ellen. Yep. They changed. The church changed. Their community changed. And listen to this church. As a result of all of that change going on, so did their city change. Wow. What God was doing in them, because he had come now to live in them. In the Old Testament, he would come on people to do various things. Bezalel, for example, who um, uh, I think it was Bezalel that did all the um, uh, imagery and made all the stuff for the temple and all that kind of thing, whoever that guy was. But he was gifted by God to make um, golden senses and vases and all sorts of colors and purples and all sorts of things. He was gifted specifically for that role. So the Spirit of God came onto him. Samson, 
The Spirit of God came onto him, and we know what he did. But in the New Testament, in this covenant, the new covenant we're in right now, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. Someone say amen. amen. He lives in us. So what God was doing in them, he began doing through them, and it affected everything else around them. Wow. Acts 5.12 tells us that the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. Now, why am I telling you all of this? Because I want to remind you that on that issue, nothing has changed today. Amen. Amen. Nothing's changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we haven't got the Holy Spirit's presence here, as in we know in a tangible way that he's here, we are simply just another club. And I don't want to belong to another club. I want to belong to a church, a, a vibrant church that's alive. Are you with me, church? That's active. That's moving according to the gifts that God has given each and every one of us. Not putting them on the shelf. Some of you, I think, need to take them off the shelf, dust them off, and activate them again. Maybe that's your time today. Maybe it is. We'll see what happens later on. But the church should be vibrant, shouldn't it, Bruce? Alive. Isn't that right, Zoli? Active. Moving in those gifts, providing they are from God. And we are going to get to that very, very soon. Because today's message is a bit of a, 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 an outlier, to be honest. It's an outlier. But you know when you're preaching, um, if you're preaching, and there's a number of preachers in our congregation here, a few coming through as well. When you're going through passages, you can't pick and choose what you want to preach. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. We'll go over, we'll miss that out. Hey, Anna, you've actually got to do it. If, if you're the real deal. So we're going to get to that in a minute. Anyway, what God did in their day, he continues to do in our day. Don't miss this amazing truth. The Holy Spirit is here right now. And if you're a follower of Jesus, he is alive in you, in me. He absolutely is. Hello? He is. It's cool. So, where do we go with this then? I want you to hold that thought. As we continue through our series of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus gives a warning that in spite of everything that I've just told you, that there is a counterfeit spirit that also can operate when the Holy Spirit is moving. Isn't that right, Miriam? That is dead right. I remember your husband, Morris, telling me some stories about that, and we won't go into detail. So with that in mind, let's read Matthew 7, 15 through to 23, where Jesus gives a warning against two possible counterfeits. Here they are. First, they're false prophets and false disciples. First, verse 15 um, to 20 is about false prophets. It says this, watch out for false prophets. Do you notice Jesus doesn't muck around? He just cuts straight to the chase. Watch out for false prophets. Boom, there it is. You can imagine he would have gotten their attention about that point, wouldn't he? They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree, excuse me, bears bad fruit. <coughs> 
A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And then, false disciples. Now, it doesn't say false disciples, but the change here now is he's not talking specifically about one people group. He's talking about everyone else. Because he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, and this is where it gets really tricky. This, the waters get a bit rough here. This is Jesus. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Wow, that's pretty strong language, isn't it? That's very strong language. Okay, let's give some context. Jesus here is concluding his famous um, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5 through 7, those three chapters. And in verses 15 to 23, there is a clear warning that when the Holy Spirit begins to move, when the Spirit of God begins to manifest in a gathering, we are also to be on the lookout for counterfeits. Counterfeits who masquerade as genuine prophets and genuine disciples. Everyone smile. And Jesus gives us a tool to discern, to know the difference. He likens these characters to either a good tree, which would produce good fruit, and a bad tree that would produce bad fruit. And Jesus does not sugarcoat the issue. He says, an unambiguous warning right from the outset, watch out for false prophets. They are ferocious wolves. And obviously the metaphor is, if you allow them to continue in that vein, they will tear you apart. It's pretty sobering, isn't it? It does get better, by the way, so stay with me. Romans, uh, sorry, so let's unpack then why we need to be aware of false prophets and false disciples. The Bible describes, and this is the best way to put it, I think, the Bible describes three spirits that operate uh, in the world. First, there is our human spirit. I'll explain that in a second. There is obviously the Holy Spirit, yeah? And then there are demonic spirits, plural. Let me explain. The human spirit... As humans, we comprise three parts. We are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. Our body and our soul have their own specific function, but only our spirit has the ability to communicate with God. Does that make sense? Romans 8, I'll prove it from Scripture. Romans 8.16 says this, should come up on the screen. The spirit, notice capital S, that means Holy Spirit. The Spirit himself witnesses with our spirit, lowercase s, meaning human spirit, that we are children of God. So there is a connection between our spirit. Our spirit has to connect with the Holy Spirit, and it's done through the Spirit. Human spirit, Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? This is not kind of rocket science, folks. So there's that. There's the the human spirit. Um, uh, Where am I? Uh, Then there is the Holy Spirit, and and you're all aware aware of what the Holy Spirit is, because we've been preaching about that for the last few weeks, yeah? 
all aware, so we don't need to go over that. But, but, and this is where it gets really exciting, really interesting. Then there are demonic spirits. Has anyone actually here had an encounter, like face-to-face encounter with the demonic? Put your hand up if you have. Put it right up, right up high. Okay, everyone else look around. They can't all be wrong. That's the point. And you know when you've had an encounter with the demonic, you just know. I'll, I'll share a couple a little later on. We'll get to that. So then there is the demonic. And the demonic can manifest in a variety of ways to undermine a genuine move of God. So here's the question then, isn't it? How can we tell the difference? Is that a good question? Do you want to know how to deal with this? This is not hard. This is pretty straightforward. Verse 16. By their fruit, you will know them. There it is. Let me explain. Everything in nature reproduces after its own kind. Good fruit comes out of a good tree, and bad fruit comes out of a bad tree. Therefore, we need to look not just at what is being said, if it's a prophetic thing or it's an action thing, not just what's being said and on the outside, it might look really, really good, but you need to look at the fruit of the person's entire life. You've got to look at all the other things around their life before you say, yep, that's a genuine thing from God. How are, they, how are these people, how do they handle things emotionally, for example? How do they handle things relationally? Do they use profane language and think nothing of that? Now, every now and again, I've, the odd word has popped out. Yep, am I the only one? Yep, I know, Beryl, that's true for you, because you just <laughs> nodded to me and said yes. <laughs> and and this is kind of life, sometimes it happens. But when that happens, there's a, there's, there's a sense of guilt that comes into my spirit, Hannah. And I know that I need to put that right with God. So I'm not saying that if you make a mistake and swear, well, so what, welcome to my world. But if that's what you do consistently and you think nothing of that, something is not Right, church. Do they put others down? Enjoy putting others down. And here's here's one. Are they always right and never wrong? Are they willing to be corrected and redirected? Or no, you can't tell me what to do. Those are the kinds of, that's the fruit of a person's life. What's their marriage like? How do they relate to their children? Those kinds of things. I knew something was wrong. This thing slipped off my ear. Here it is. We need to look at the whole of their life. Here's another couple. Do pride and arrogance describe them? See, Jesus gives a warning that even though the Holy Spirit is at work, there are also 
Are other spirits looking to take advantage of unsuspecting believers and unsuspecting churches? And by that I mean unsuspecting leaders in the life of those churches. Because when that kind of thing happens, it must be addressed, it must be dealt with, and sometimes you've got to deal with it on the spot. I'll get to that in a second. And you know whose job that is? The elders. I'll let the elders deal with that. They have the spiritual authority to do that. This is a serious church. They've been given that, that spiritual authority by God. They have the role and the responsibility to deal with it. Now, you might think to yourself, oh, well, Paul, why don't you deal with it? And, well, I can't be blowed. They can. I'll let them do it. But I have had to deal with this stuff over the years. You bet I have. We'll get to that second, the second. Even though the Holy Spirit is at work, there are also other spirits looking to take advantage of unsuspecting believers. You know, my 21 years of pastoral ministry, um, there have been occasions when I've witnessed false prophets and false disciples trying to influence what God is doing. And I've come to realize um, that the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit moves, a counterfeit spirit can, can manifest. And we need to be wise and discerning in that space. Okay, let's have a look at these two um, characters. Firstly, false prophets. Now, in the Old Testament, a true prophet or a prophetess, because male, female, they both did it, um, often they would swim against the tide or the current of public opinion um, and um, popular opinion. For example, Moses did. Amos, Nahum, Zechariah, Miriam, Deborah, and Holder, just to name a few. They all stood in the midst of the people as a check against the flow of public and popular opinion when it deviated from the written word of God. They stood, and they stood firm. And that's why we often read the Old Testament prophets continuously struggled um, with people, with the people. They were rejected by the people and often died violently at the hands of those of whom they were trying to protect. Just read the Old Testament. See, Old Testament prophets knew jolly well that when they said, Thus says the Lord, they were literally taking their life into their own hands, or actually giving their life into the hands of others if they were wrong, because they would be put to death. Did you know that? That's Old Testament. But in the New Testament today, such is not the case. If it were, I can guarantee that we would be seeing a number of prophets lying dead around us, that is for sure. And that's because I think today some people that masquerade as a prophet, I said this last week, are actually more of a loss than a prophet. That's a joke, folks. You got it? Good. Yeah. Let me give you a live, well, an illustration that, Christine, you'll remember this vividly. Uh, when we were at one of the two churches we previously pastored. I'll never forget this. And it's really interesting too because I always look, <coughs> excuse me, 
not so much at the issue itself or the event or the, um, uh, the, the even the person, to, to be honest. Um, I look at the timing of it. Always look, always look at the timing. Um, so um, we just we just finished this. I think we just finished a, a, a significant building program. The church had grown from 35 to 200. God was doing stuff. And it was just a, it was an extraordinary time to be there. Um, and we were just loving what, 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 what the Holy Spirit was doing. The new people coming and people being saved and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Just wonderful. Vibrant. <laughs> so I'm preaching this particular day. I'll never forget this. It was vivid. I'm up on the stage. And um, I, I can't even remember what I was preaching on. Next minute... This person gets out of the, their seat. I've never seen them in my life. They get out of their seat, and they start walking down the aisle towards me. And back in those days, we didn't have the old headset. We had that handheld, you know, and even that was modern back then. So we had the old handheld then. I'm holding my thing, and this person is walking down towards me, a beeline, not even caring about anyone else around them, just straight down like this. Walked over to me and reached out to grab hold of the microphone. Not a word. And I pulled it away, of course. And I said, excuse me, what, what, what are you doing? I've got a word. God's given me a word for the people. And da-da-da. And I said, well, just, just, just calm down. Just hang on. And this is live. Everyone's watching. I said, can you, can you just calm down, please? And she was kind of quite animated. Fortunately, we had wonderful friends of ours who were um, ex-pastors of an AOG church. So they were now part of our church. Phil and Anthea. Phil was down the front row. And he saw what was going on because he'd seen this stuff before. He immediately got up, got the worship leader. Where's Amy? Got the worship leader, <coughs> who was also the keyboard player. He said, get up on the stage and start singing that last song that, we were, that we'd had in the worship time. So Royce races up there, starts playing the song. The whole congregation stood to their feet as one. No one told them to. You see, God was at work. The whole congregation stood to their feet, started singing this song while she's prophesying. While she, she, she didn't have the microphone, she started shouting whatever God was telling her, and it wasn't God, by the way. Well, as the congregation sang, and it just drowned out what the enemy was trying to do, she ran, literally ran out of the church, never seen her again. See, that's a false prophet. You hear what I'm saying? That's a false prophet. Now, if it was a genuine prophetic word from God, what that person would, I would allow them to do, would be to put their hand up and say, um, excuse me, Pastor Paul, um, I think God's given me a word. Would it be okay to share that at the moment? Or would walk up to one of the elders and say, um, Anna, I've got this word for, could, could you just, is this appropriate? See, that's someone that's teachable. That's someone that's willing to come under godly authority. That's someone that's willing to submit what they believe God is saying. And that's been done in a good way. Paul, the apostle, talks about order in God's church. That's what he's talking about. There is a right and a proper way. But that didn't happen. And when it does go awry like that, as leaders, we have to deal with it in the moment. You cannot afford to let that thing carry on because it will absolutely undermine everything that God is doing. Are you with me? Always it will undermine. You've got to stand in your authority. You've got to stand in who you know you are in God. I was the senior pastor of the church and that thing was not going to undermine what God was doing. And so it proved. 
I felt great when I saw them running out the door. It was wonderful. You know what we did after that? We stopped and we prayed for that person because they're not in their right mind. That's grace. Is that a good example? It was very real. I could give you a few more, but I won't. So false prophets. Bottom line is, as we make room for the Holy Spirit to move, to manifest, it is entirely possible that a counterfeit spirit will try to take advantage. And we just need to be aware of it and deal with it in the moment. So how do we discern the difference? Well, it's very simple. Paul in Acts and other writings gives us a few keys to identify what or who constitute true prophets or prophecy. Here's a couple of them. A genuine prophet or prophecy builds up the church and never seeks to tear it down. Always is uplifting, encouraging, and building. A genuine prophecy is rooted in Scripture. Therefore, it never undermines any principles of God's Word, ever. A true prophet is willing to submit to the collective discernment. That's us, church. That's the elders discerning. Is that of God or is that not of God? A true prophet will come and they'll, get, they'll bring it to one of our elders. Anna is an elder. Anna, what do you think? What do you think? Robert, what do you think? A true prophet will, not, will, not be, um, uh, will be willing to do that, the collective discernment. And Paul, the apostle, recognized the value of the gift of prophecy, but he also gave instructions for testing its authenticity. Here it is up on the board. Two or three prophets should speak, <coughs> and the others should weigh carefully what is said. That's collective discernment, and we need that operating. It's for protection. And verse 33 of um, 1 Corinthians 14 says, For God is not the author of confusion. If you allow people to say things that are simply unbiblical, they are of a different spirit, you will bring confusion into the life of the church. And we've got to guard against that. Do you agree? Here's another important identifier. Genuine Holy Spirit prophecy is never manipulative. Yeah? Yep, these two girls agree. There's three. Hi, Hannah. How you going? Cool. It's never manipulative. It is always filled with God's love, filled with his life, about justice, reconciliation, and restoration. I was looking, when I was preparing this message, um, there's a, the Talbot School of Theology, a guy called Oscar Merlo. He says this, the true prophetic message is the spirit, uh, in the spirit is the proclamation of the saving gospel of our Lord Jesus uh, Christ that reaches into the messiness of our lives. That's all of us, folks. The messiness of our lives, including mine. He reaches into that. The true prophetic message in the Spirit turns hearts towards God in a tender and personal way. So true. So then, how can we determine 
if the prophet is a false prophet or a genuine prophet. Read this. If what you see and hear is not in keeping with the Spirit of Jesus, capital S, by the way, with His warm compassion for people and His sane humanity, it's not some silly thing that doesn't make any sense, then you can absolutely dismiss it. You see, Jesus always built people up. Always. Is there a place then for correction? Yes, there is. But that should be done in private. The elders take care of that. If that were to happen, sit down with that person. It's a learning opportunity for them. They may have a genuine gift that God's wanting to build in them, but they might make a mistake. Hello, happens. Doesn't it, it Soph? It happens. Well, that, that, that's an, if, 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 if that's junior and you're, uh, one of the tests, are you willing to submit to the, the authority in it, which is the elders in the life of the church, talk it through with them, move on, just learn from it. But if you're not willing to submit it, then I would suggest that perhaps there's something not quite right here. And then the last one is, so we're looking at false prophets, now we've got false disciples, verse 21. You know, it's entirely possible, this might be a surprise to some of you, but hear me out. It is entirely possible for someone to speak the language of a believer, to believe intellectually the Bible, to teach godly principles, to take part in Christian activities, and still not be a genuine follower of Christ. Whoa. You know, there's a world of difference between somebody who professes that they are a Christian and someone who daily lives that profession out day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, week by week. There's a difference between the two. You know, just prior to this passage in verse 12, uh, Jesus had described what we commonly refer to as the golden rule. And the golden rule is simply this. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. So think about this. I would like you to like me. I would like you to be kind to me, to be nice to me, to shout me coffee after church. I'd like you to um, come and mow my lawns, do all of those kinds of things. If you see me fall over on the road, come and pick me up. If I have an accident, help me out. I'd like you to do all of those things. Is that fair? If that's true, then shouldn't I be doing that to you? Yeah? Yeah. You see, if I want you to do that for me naturally, then I need to be doing that naturally for you. See, the tree and its fruit, like attracts like. A good tree produces good fruit. Hello? See, the problem is, our human spirit in and of itself, remember I talked about the three spirits, human spirit, the Holy Spirit, and demonic spirits, plural. 
The problem is our human spirit tends toward, towards looking after number one. We have this bent to just look after myself. Am I the only one? That's the problem. But here's the answer. The answer is to consistently do to others what you would have them do to you. And here's what underlies that. For that to happen consistently, to live by the golden rule, requires another spirit within us to empower us to do that, and that is the Holy Spirit. We don't naturally and normally always look out for other people. We might do it in the, for a season, we might do it in the, in, uh, tomorrow, but it's not our natural bent, is it, church? Let's be honest. It's not. Some people are better at it than others. That is true. But with the Holy Spirit in us, we have everything that we need to be consistently looking out for others as we look out for ourselves. It's the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in us that enables that to happen. Can I have the music team come up, please, Amy? Mark, can you come down here too, please? Now, we've got the handheld microphone there, some. Robert, thanks. <coughs> yes, come and stand over here. I'll give you the green light very soon. Just hang on. Let's land this. True disciples are those who consistently, as much as it depends upon them, are looking out not only for their own needs, but for the needs of others as well. Consistently doing that. And we're looking through the eyes of compassion and hope and optimism, the things that we want for ourselves. Yeah? Matthew tells us also that a move of the Spirit will also attract some who would masquerade as true prophets and true disciples. In fact, if you go to 2 Corinthians 11, which we're not going to go to, it describes that very issue. But here's what I want you to hear now. But in spite of everything that I've just spoken this morning about false prophets and false disciples, in spite of all of that, Jesus has given his church the Holy Spirit. And if you are a believer here today, he lives in you. He lives in here. And we are beginning to see here in this church now, the Holy Spirit manifest amongst us week after week after week. Yeah, church? We're beginning to see people rise up with the gifts that maybe they'd put on the shelf, bringing them down and dusting them off, beginning to confidently step in to using them. We're seeing the Spirit of God being released with the gifts to minister 
to one another. We've seen that now, aren't we? It's wonderful. But don't take my word for it. Take Mark's. You share. Tell them what God did. Well, a month ago, uh, you had a word for me in the service here, and it was like um, uh, mighty men. And you mentioned the story of Gideon and that he was a mighty man. But when <coughs> God called him, he was kind of like hiding in a wine press. And uh, um, the message was, you know, rise up, mighty man, and uh, um, God has called you to be a, a voice, not an echo, but a voice. That's right. And um, for me, that was a really timely word. Mm. That particular morning, I felt very much other than mighty. I felt yeah. extremely defeated. I had been uh, like like hiding in a wine press. I was... Um, uh, just in tears, I was seeking the Lord, I was playing some music to try and get my mind in the right spot. In fact, one of the songs was, I Stand in Awe of You, and you put that up on the screen and, and got us to say all the words out loud. Mm. Um, so for me, it was an extremely timely yes. reminder. So the question is, Mark, was that a genuine word for you from God? Well, I felt it was. Um, uh, the reason I had been in tears is uh, our dear friend had been really struggling with, with cancer. Yes. And I, I said to the Lord that morning, I felt he was saying to me, if I want to take her, are you okay with that? And I was like, no, I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm not okay with that. Yes. You know, but in spite of that, and she did pass away. Yeah. He's, he still said, rise up, and I felt that is still God's call on me yeah. to, to rise up and to... She stood with us for healing, you yes. know, and, yes. and uh, with many other people in here, Yes, and um, that is still the call that, that I feel God has on me. Yeah, fantastic. Just give the microphone to Robert, please, and let me just pray for you before you go and sit down. Let's pray together for this guy. Father, I thank you, Lord, that that day... You did something in the depths of Mark's spirit that just uh, was um, life-changing. You did something, Lord, that, that you had planned and purposed probably before the beginning of time, before he was even born. You knew that time and day would come. But on that day, it all came together. You spoke into his life, identified exactly what was going on without any consultation with anybody, and you did something miraculous. And we thank you for it, Lord. So I pray, Lord, for the empowering of that, that your Holy Spirit, God, will continue to raise and build this man up. He's out of the wine press now. Fill him afresh with your spirit, God. Give him words of knowledge, words of understanding, words of prophecy, God, that he may speak over others, that they would be free and experience the freedom that he experienced because you were always faithful, God. You were always faithful. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for sharing, mate. Just one thing with that. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> um, what really spoke to me about that particular prophetic word that came was um, <coughs> uh, during the week uh, I was out walking what I normally do. And I usually get downloads, and most of the church know this. I get these downloads from God every now and again. I don't plan them, they just kind of happen. And I was, when I was, I, I, I was listening to some music and all of a sudden that song I stand in awe of you that Mark just articulated that song it's an old song we don't sing it anymore I don't think um, but it used to be way back in the day anyway 
Um, I, th- and that, that song came out of nowhere into my spirit, and I kept on singing it. And then that Sunday, that was the song that you woke up with or somewhere along the line, and, and, and it spoke to you because God wanted to speak into his life through that. Here's my point. How many Christian songs do you think have been written since the beginning of time? How many? Millions. Tens of millions. Yet that one was the right one. You see, I can't do that, nor can you. But the Holy Spirit can. See, this is the point. It's exciting, eh? Stand, please stand. That's the point. It's just really, really exciting what God can do. If we make room for Him. So I guess I'm asking the question, what's the Spirit of God saying right now? What's God saying right now? In your spirit, is, we've, we've got people who have prophetic giftings here because you put your hand up a few weeks ago. There was a whole bunch of you. So do we have a prophetic word here? Do we? Did you put your hand up? Go over to him, Robert. Just, just hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on, mate. Hang on a second. While Robert's doing that, come on, folks. Is that, Gaylene, is that you? You got your hand up. Come down the front, please, quickly. Don't trip over, please. Don't trip. I'll catch you. Um, Just come up, stand up here with me. Robert will bring the microphone over, and we'll get you to share it. Anyone else? Oh, we've got one here, right here. Hold, hold, Hold it there, please, Matthew. Just hold it there. This is a word I got um, about three weeks ago when Miss Ferguson was here. But it was God wants a fresh word spoken to his people. The churches must allow God's now voice to be heard and evaluated by the written word. God wants a fresh word spoken to his people. The churches must allow God's now voice to be heard and evaluated by the written word. I've I've got a a word for you. Never seen you before. We're standing behind you. And I felt like God has you right in the centre of his palm he knows exactly what you're going through but he has you right in his his palm there's a lot of storms in life but Jesus himself wants us despite all this he wants us to stand on his rock the rock of his word his firm foundation because when we stand on that the storms of life and everything are not going to knock us over but we'll stand up and we'll and we'll actually exalt him and bring glory to him because people will see that we're constant and that he's actually behind us. Just as Mark testified, thank you, Mark, I sense that um, that is an anointing that God is calling 
many people into. He's pulling out the Gideons. He's pulling out those that are hiding in the wine press. He's pulling out those that have been perhaps deflated and um, discouraged. And he's re-anointing them and refreshing them and drawing them into a place of activation, of mobilization, and of greater release, that there are, there are new possibilities happening. There are new callings coming afresh. And God is here to, to anoint you, to walk in a whole new way. So I believe it's a, it's, a, um, yeah, it's, it's a call to the church, to us, to each one of us, to arise and to walk in all that God has called us to do. Well, because he's breaking, breaking off chains, breaking off mindsets, breaking off a sense of lostness, a lostness, a loneliness, an emptiness, an isolation. That COVID didn't help. It was there before, but it re-emphasized. And God is blowing afresh and calling us out into more and more and more. This was a real theme in the prayer meeting this morning. If, if God's been speaking to you about any of the words, it looks like we may have a couple more, then please come forward and start receiving ministry. Robert, before people come forward, two more. Uh, in the same vein, the scripture says that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit among his people. On men and women, he will pour out his spirit. And I just get the sense that age is not a barrier whether you're young or whether you're old. Gender is not a barrier, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman. God pours, God sees us equally. We were equally justified for salvation through Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit comes to us equally as a people. We equally get to stay out. And if you're young and you make mistakes, that's okay. This is the house of God. We're a family. This is the place to make mistakes as Hi, um, I'm Grace. I'm actually just visiting here this Sunday. Um, in the first worship bracket, I had a picture of um, a big white bird in a shallow pond. And I looked it up and it's a, um, a great egret. I don't know if I'm saying, yeah, egret. Okay, that's right. Um, and I looked up when these birds migrate and it's actually late September to early November, which is quite timely. Um, and I felt like um, there's some people here who have been in a season of transition and it feels a bit like everything's up in the air and you don't really know all that's going on. But I felt like God was just saying, it's because I'm relocating you and actually bringing you to a new place and it's, it's about time to land um, and there's gonna be a real like settling in that. So. So we want to encourage people to respond. You know, God is moving. God is moving. God is calling you to move uh, to see His kingdom grow around our community, around our nation. And we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to do that. We need to be released and moving in the gifts. So if any of those prophetic words have spoken to you, please come forward for ministry. If you're wanting to see a fresh release and moving in the power of the Spirit, then please come forward for ministry. If you are wanting to be released into fresh gifting, please come forward for, for ministry. And if you want to receive healing this morning, please come forward for ministry. Don't, don't hold back. 
but press into everything that God has for you. Team, let's go. Come forward as soon as the song starts.